Hi, I'm Samaya Wilson, and welcome to Living Water Christian Center Church, where the word is plentiful and the spirit of the Lord lives. Thank you for tuning in to Youth Takeover, and may you be blessed. about Jesus is right. We thank God. We welcome you again to the Living Water Church. We're so glad that you're here with us. We thank God today's youth takeover. So I'm not going to be ministering when we have a young woman who's going to minister the Word of God. She is an educator, a school administrator. She's the leader of our Sunday school department. And she's a woman of God. And I want you to please help me welcome Sister Tracy Constant. to give this message of being the message the thing will be cast down your idols Gomer is waiting okay our first scripture is Exodus 20 verses 1 through 5 and just pray because I'm a little winded this morning and God spoke all these words I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above, on or the earth beneath, or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generations of those who hate them. Some things to ponder. Who or what have you replaced God with? What things or person is drawing you away from God? Teaching our children to identify idols early on is especially important. For kids, kids can, idols can come in the forms of friendships, uh, their most prized toy, entertainers, professional athletes, public figures. These are just a few. How you help identify potential idols in their lives. Some questions to think about. Do you spend more time thinking about or worrying about blank than you do about God? Does blank lead you to disobey God? I'll read that one again. No. Does blank lead you to disobey God? Do you turn to blank to bring you satisfaction instead of turning to God? Things that make you go, hmm. God wants to be first in our lives. It is up to us as caretakers, parents, and adults to understand this and teach our children to put God first in all areas of their lives. Um, you may say to yourself, but I don't worship idols. Um, what is an idol? An example of an idol can be seen in Exodus 32, and I'm not going to read because this is a wrong chapter, but I'm going to summarize the story of the golden calf Bible story. The Bible story of the golden calf is very revealing of human nature and the tendency of people to strain and go after other things other than God. It is ironic that while Moses was on the Mount Sinai receiving the Ten Commandments, the children of Israel 
were doing just what he told them God said not to do. Thou shalt not have any other gods before me. This makes it very evident why the commandments were needed as people exhibit a natural drift toward sin without the proper leadership and constitution of morality. As the Israelites grew impatient with Moses on Mount Sinai, they decided to make a new God to go up before them for worship, so they took their gold jewelry and melted it down to build a golden calf. God saw that, that his people had constructed a false idol as his replacement and planned to consume or kill all of them but Moses. Moses courageously requested for mercy so God could prevent the disaster upon the people. Moses then went down from the mountain with two tablets inscribed with the Ten Commandments written by God and saw the Israelites dancing and singing around the golden calf. So enraged by their betrayal of God, he threw the tablets onto the ground and broke them at the foot of the mountain. He then took the calf that they had made and burned it with fire and ground it into powder and scattered it into the water and made the people of Israel drink it. Moses informs the Israelites, you have sinned a great sin, and now I will go up to the Lord, perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. God tells Moses to lead his people to the promised land of Canaan, and he will visit them there. The chapter ends with a plague being cursed upon the Israelites for the golden calf as they embark toward Canaan. What is an idol exactly? The definition of idolatry, according to Webster, is the worship of idols or excessive devotion to or reverence for some person or thing. An idol is anything that place, replaces the one true God. The most prevalent form of idolatry in the Bible is carved images. But well, we know we don't, some people have carved images, but we really don't see carved images today. According to Dave's topical Bible, Image worship or divine honor paid to any or created object is what idolatry is. Paul describes the origin of idolatry in Romans 1, verses 21 to 25. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchange the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like immortal humans, beings, being and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity or degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie, worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen? Amen. Whomever or whatever influences you to the degree of making the final decision in your life is an idol. Yes. It doesn't matter who it is. Amen. What are our examples of idolatry? We do have modern day idols. Lots of them, they look different than the idols of the past but we still practice idolatry today. Yeah. Idol worship today can be in the form of our identity. 
it's easy to place your identity in something or someone other than God. We want to look a certain way or portray a certain image. Like how many times do you stand in the mirror talking to myself before you make it out the house even this morning. Like, oh no, I'm gonna change my clothes. Like, it ain't even about you. So our identity becomes an idol. Money and consumerism. I found myself in so many of these areas. Consumerism refers to the theory that spending money and consuming goods is good for the economy. <laughs> An obsession with buying material goods or items is consumerism. Yes. Amen, amen. amen. Consumerism increases the level in which, which results in mental health problems like stress, depression, and spending more money. Because now you need a therapist to get over all the issues you created with your consumer. Trying to follow the latest trends when you have limited resources can be very exhausting to the mind and the body. You know trying to buy a PlayStation 5 when you know you can't afford it does not make sense. But some, some people did do that this holiday season. Consumerism forces people to work harder, borrow more, and spend less time with their families and of course with God. Entertainment. The most serious danger for posed by the various forms of entertainment is the possibility of allowing them to become idols in our lives. Like, you know, parents dress their kids up like Beyonce for <laughs> Halloween and, and things of that nature. Like, she's become an idol to a lot of people. Um, our culture even has a TV show called The American Idol. We idolize sports teams and players. We idolize our favorite movie stars and musicians. There are many professing Christians who can tell you more about their favorite baseball, football, basketball, rapper, R&B queen, and even know the names of the entertainer's children and when their birthdays are. <laughs> Idolizing our favorite form of entertainment, whatever it might be, is serious. Amen? Another form of idol worship is, is sex, giving away our bodies, comfort, Unfortunately, a life filled with comfort can breed self-idolatry, because what's comfortable for me is more important than anything in the world. Like having, I know for me, having things in order is important to me. Amen, Samaya? Amen. And I know I can get on people's nerves and everything gotta be in this place, pick that up, get that out of here. You know, that's my own, that's my own comfort for, for whatever reason. Um, faithfully keeping God's commandments requires us to randomly step out of the comfort zone. So I have to tell myself, what's going to happen to you if the sneaker stays in the middle of the floor? And if it's that important, if that, if it's that important to you, you go move. Okay? Our cell phones, Lord knows, our cell phones have become a form of idolatry. Yes. We go to the bathroom with them, we get in the shower with them, we go to bed with them, we do everything with our cell phones. Um, I don't know about you, but in my house, when you call someone to come help take the groceries out the car, they come to the car to help move groceries with one phone in their hand and one hand, like 
How do you move groceries like that? <laughs> so then he made me yell, go put that cell phone down. You know, we gotta bring the groceries in the house. <laughs> okay, so we don't wanna make our cell phones a form of idolatry. And of course, your boo. Your boo could become a form of idolatry. Because you're so concerned about pleasing her or him, you know above God, okay? Giving up idols is not comfortable. Nothing that Jesus did for us was, was comfortable either. It's not comfortable to go against the mainstream to stand up for God's truth. It is not comfortable to love our enemies. It is not comfortable to give up financial security. It's not comfortable to hear other people to bear other people's burdens. It's not comfortable to forgive those who have hurt us deeply. And we feel comfortable in our walk with God that we might have to be prone to check what's really going on in our lives. Amen. Instead of expanding God's kingdom in our lives and the lives of those around us, we concentrate on being comfortable. And carrying other people along is not comfortable. We all prefer to stay within our comfort zones for various reasons. Self-idolatry, we are used to taking care of ourselves first. Control, we think we can control things when we really cannot. Doubt, we don't trust God's plan is better than ours. I know there's times when God has said to me, um, you're going to wait to do this, and me and Michelle have a running joke, like, we can really take matters into our own hands. <laughs> okay, so that's doubt. You don't doubt God's plan. I mean, you do doubt God's plan. Um, slow, we don't want to put in the extra effort. We're lazy, we're sluggards. Um, fear, we need to avoid, we want to avoid the unknown. Ignorance, we don't understand God because we don't read his word, we don't spend time in prayer. And short-sighted, we love this world too much. A preference for comfort is self-idolatry. Change takes time, but we must be careful not to assume that God in his infinite mercy will keep tolerating us just the way we are. You know how you meet people who say, well, that's just how I am. No, we need to change. Such stubbornness takes God for granted, and we become no better than the non-believers, heathens at heart. The bottom line is that stubbornly sticking to our comfort zones is the same as self-idolatry. And we need to, to repent whenever we willingly do things the way we like it. In defiance of our living Father in heaven. Even smaller, more harmless things can twist our attention away from God. It can be extremely easy to get completely wrapped up in earthly matters. I can talk for hours about these things, but ask me about God's word, and I, and I am completely empty, dry as a desert. What are some moral, what are some um, common forms of idolatry in this modern world? Materialism. We want to buy bigger houses, bigger closets. Lord knows I need some bigger closets. <laughs> um, and we just buy, 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 buy. We have clothes in the closet with tags on them stuff we can't wear. You know, I used to say to myself, um, I'm giving away stuff because I know I'm going to be blessed to get some more stuff. So if I'm thinking, 
this was me for myself. <laughs> gave it away, so now that gives me a right to go get some more. Because I gave it to people that need it. You know? <laughs> that's, that's the lie you tell yourself, but it's really materialism. We get wrapped up in earthly matters because I got to be fly. You know, you go into a birthday party, it's not even your birthday. <laughs> and you worried about how you're going to look when you step in the place. But then you no birthday. Okay? Um, our own pride and ego can become a form of idolatry. No one can tell you anything. You know everything. Uh, you can do everything better in life. That's your own pride and your ego. And how the world sees you, if you live your life according to how the world sees you, good luck. <laughs> okay, pride and ego at work. How do you know pride and ego's at work? You think you are humble. Most humble people don't go around saying, I'm humble. True. <laughs> right? You, you, you usually recognize humility in people. Like you look at them and say, oh, he's so humble. But you know, the person is not walking around saying, I'm humble. Look at me, I'm humble. <laughs> okay, so you think you're humble. You do not accept constructive criticism. Okay? <laughs> That's definitely pride. That's definitely an area I had to work on. Because of who, I don't know who they think they are, tell me. And until you learn to accept the people, going to keep on telling you. Okay, because constructive criticism is for you to change, to yes. do something better. It's not always personal. True. I'm not going to say sometimes it's not, but it's not always personal, personal attack against you. You always want to be the center of attention. You, you are vain about your physical appearance. Now, I am not saying it is not good to look good, because I would not be telling the truth. But it is good to care about how you look, but yes. if all you care about is your physical appearance, you need to check your pride and your ego, okay? You do not like association with ordinary people. You are fond of name dropping. You know people like that, you meet somebody, and you mention someone's name, they go, oh, I know him for 15 years. Like, like who cares? <laughs> okay, but there's people that name drop in the minute. Oh, I know them, I know them forever. Like, okay, congratulations. Okay, you are, you are not teachable. No one can tell you anything. You already know it all. You have expert knowledge in every area of life. You are not teachable. And those are some hard people to work with. You do not listen to the advice of others because you know everything, once again. We have become, become consumed with idolatry that we are forgetting to carry out some things God has required of us. For instance, Luke 14 and 23 says, then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house may be full. Matthew 28 and 19 says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The Great Commission, therefore, is usually interpreted to mean spreading the Christian message and converting others to Christianity. The Lord wants us to cast down our idols and go get Gomer. Gomer can be found in schools, malls, <laughs> our families, work, supermarkets, everywhere. Gomer 
is just waiting on us. I don't know how many of you are familiar with the story of Gomer and Jose. I am not going to read it, but I will summarize it can be found in the book of Hosea. In Hosea's time, the Israelites were devoted to gods and they could make, that they could make idols. Their primary devotion was profit in their own pursuits. The lesser gods whom they felt they could, whom they felt they could control made them the more comfortable in their lifestyle. Things had been going well for them and they, and they became cocky. Instead of recognizing that God had blessed them, they thought of how wonderful they were and how much farther they could take, take themselves. But slowly, the tables were turning. The nations around them were becoming hungry. Their good fortune was running out. Instead of turning to God for help in their need, they held on stubbornly trying to make their own way. They gave themselves to Assyria, is the final blow of betrayal, and Assyria swallows them whole. Hosea was a preacher, a prophet really, who lived in a time when religious folks didn't want to hear the message, didn't want to hear his message. The Israelites were more interested in worshiping idols than worshiping God. One day, God told Hosea his bachelor days were up. This is me summarizing, okay? His, ba his bachelor days were up. The problem with the wedding announcement was it came with a dreadful prophecy. His wife would break his heart. Aware of Gomer's promiscuous reputation, Hosea humbled himself in obedience to the Lord. I am sure we would not have been so willing to do that. You know how we do. We pick and choose what, the will, what we will do for God. Like, I'll do that, but I ain't got to do that. Hosea goes and marries a fop. That's a young people's term. What? Okay. Jose goes and marries a thot. That's the young people's term. If you don't know what a thot is, you can ask one of the young people. Jose has to go and find Gomer. Not the safest part of town, I am sure. He's going to the red light district to find a fraud. Can you imagine? He went to places men of God don't go. Not in, not in those neighborhoods. He finds Gomer and makes her his bride, a harlot, a woman from the streets, a prostitute. Imagine introducing Gomer as your first lady. <laughs> and all the chatter of the people. Hosea began to hear rumors and his heart began to break. His wife was, was giving, going off with other men. He would not even be sure. He was not even sure the children she bore were his. Jose, a broken-hearted father, a betrayed husband, and a bewildered preacher, felt like his fragile heart would never recover. To make life even more complicated, children were born to Jose and Gomer. They had two sons whose names were given to them prophetically. Um, one son's name was Jezreel, and there's a place in the Bible that's Jezreel. A daughter, Lohama, and the other, a son, all the names have symbolic meaning reflecting the relationship between God and Israel. Jezreel is named after the valley of the name. Lo-Rama is named to denote the ruined condition of the kingdom of Israel. And Lo-Ami is named in token of God's rejection of his people. 
Although the latter two children are not specifically said to be Hosea's, of course. Clearly the implication of this is found in Hosea 3 and 1, which reads, Then the Lord said to me, Go again, love a woman who is, who is loved by a lover and is committing adultery, just like the love of the Lord for the children of Israel who took the other gods and served the raisin cakes of the pagans. However, it says that she is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Somewhere in the journey, Gomer goes back to her old stomping grounds, a place of familiarity, which we often do. Then the final blow, Gomer's bondings had drawn him into the wrong, had drawn her into the wrong company. God told Hosea to do the unthinkable, go to redeem his wife. Gomer was being sold as a slave. Hosea must have cried out to God, she's thrown my love away. Why should I have to buy back what is already mine? Hosea was a faithful husband. Gomer was an unfaithful wife. God is the faithful lover of our souls. We are often faithless, prone to wander, just like Gomer. Hosea buys Gomer back. When Hosea brought Gomer back, when he redeemed her, he did so with 15 shekels of silver and five bushels of barley. I would like to think I'm worth more than that. Hosea 3 and 2 says, So I brought her for myself for 15 shekels of silver and one and a half homers of barley. When God redeemed us, he paid the ultimate price with the blood of his son. 1 Peter 18 and 19 reads, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your sinless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Hosea and Gomer's story is the story of God and Israel. It is also our story. We must go get Gomer. When you go get Gomer, people see God. The Gomers are the undeserving, the broken, disenfranchised, the lost, addicted, abused, and guilty, the runaways, the prodigals. This is also our story. When we, like Gomer, were enslaved, God brought us back. When we found ourselves stuck in chains we never intended, chains of insecurity, discontentment, and fear, God freed us. When we, by our very nature, throw God's love away, he redeemed us. Once you really realize how undeserving you are of God's love, it won't be hard for you to go show love to others that we consider less deserving. The nerve of us. Right? Hosea is a picture of God, and, and no offense, Gomer is a picture of you and I. Homer is a picture of God, and Gomer is a picture of you and I. Just put it on your The Bible says, Psalms 24 and 1, the earth is the Lord's and all of its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. Mankind is the unique possession of the Creator God. Yet 2,000 years ago, He paid a dear price for what He already possessed and sent His Son who shed his blood to purchase back what he already owned. He found you and he found me. He had to walk to the most despicable places. He had to communicate 
can be around broken, sinful humanity. Don't you see, as Hosea went searching for his wife, Jesus came searching for the salvation of humanity. When God found you, you were not so neat and put together. You were in chains, naked, sinful, and an outrageous God said, how much, how much? The blood of your son. For then and only then can humanity avert the wrath of God and justice that is rightfully on our heads. Very well, very well, he said I will send my son. Okay, we have to we have to cast down our idols yes. and go get going. Amen. 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 God bless you. that maybe you can relate to. 
when the Bible says um, uh, hard not to heart, it gives an example of a day of provocation or when the Lord was provoked. What that means, it's like when your parents are calling you and you keep doing what you're doing. They call you again and you keep doing what you're doing. And then all of a sudden when you do meet up, it's emotional. It might be emotional and physical or just emotional. But usually the parent is the one that's provoked. And the parent is provoked because they know you heard their voice. They know you recognize my voice because I recognize yours. So when I called you, why didn't you get up from where you were and see what I wanted? And that's how God is when he's knocking, when he's talking to you. And you do. Having fun. I'm so young. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just. And he's loving. And he, he said he's loving and he's kind. He said with loving kindness. So he's not, you know, pulling at you and tugging at your hair. You know, um, he's just, come on. Come on, come a little closer. Come up a little higher. Come learn about me a little more. I have need of you. And he's not, I'm so glad, he's not really asking us to go out and um, do this terrible, terrible thing. Because whatever he calls you to do, he equips you and gives you strength to do it. And young people, he just wants you to come when you hear him call your name. Just say, yes. Did you want something? No, and he did. And he's talking to you today. And if you're blessed to be raised and in a house with God-fearing people, God is really talking to you. Because what he does is he puts stuff in you and then he puts you in places so that you can deposit what he's put in you with other people. And you don't have to witness. Corey, you ain't got to witness. You just live it out. Live it out. Samaya, you just live out integrity. Integrity comes with Christ because the world doesn't have it today. And they said, what's different about you? You ain't coming with us, Sydney? No. No, not going there. Not today. I have something to do. So he just wants you to live it out, young people. That's all. Be different. When they ask you, Christina, what's different about you? You know 
as uh, Minister Constance said, it is, I am not that special. I've got a whole lot of stuff going on. The only thing different about me is Jesus. Yes. And voila, Kai, the door's open. Yes. That's the opportunity to start talking. And don't talk where you aren't. Talk where you are. Because yes. yes. that's all they're looking at. That's all. You just It's just something about you. Samaya, so if they're attracted to you, it's not because you got it going on. Even though you can say, I do have it going on. But that's not why God sends people your way. And I'm not just talking to the young people in the house. You and I, at work, at school, wherever we are, we have to really begin to do what God called us to do and take down, ooh, almost idols. We found out today we idol worshipers, my God. But God, we thank God for that word. And we're going to pray for the hearers, uh, for the listeners, for the onlookers. Uh, we're going to pray that, we pray for change this morning. I just feel like we need to pray for change. Salvation, we pray for those, we're going to pray for those that have heard the word. I hope that you have uh, sent something out to somebody or even after this, send it out to the unsaved, your friends. Be bold about it. Send your service out. Watch this. Listen to this. There's something for you because it's not you. It's the Lord pulling them and the world needs Jesus. Father, we thank you for your word that went out this morning. We thank you for the young people that are here. We thank you, oh God, for uh, using them. We thank you for the praise and worship and every element of the service where their hands have touched the anointing that you have, the gifting, the calling in their life. We thank you, God, for them coming forth even now. We bless your name, Lord. We pray that you use each and every one of them, each and every one under the sound of my voice, God. Use them for your glory. Wherever you plant them, whatever they're doing, God, help them to find, God, significance and relevance in who you made them to be. Lord, don't let them seek another life or another path, but let them know, speak to their heart right now, God. And let them know, Lord, that you made them and you formed them and you have desires for them and you're going to use them in the name of Jesus. God, we pray that we change our mindset, Lord, and become more focused on you in the name. Touch us. Touch us where our, our emotions are, our passions are. What if the thoughts and the worries and the things that are consuming us that we can't change and we can't do anything about, Lord. Redirect us, Lord, towards you, Lord. Help us to fall in love with you all over again. In the name of Jesus, each and every one of us, you know where there's room for growth, room for improvement, Lord. And we ask you, in Jesus' name, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Come on, we thank God. Thank you, Jesus. And we just want to uh, uh, tell, welcome those uh, 
even this morning, if you want the Lord to come into your life, you just ask him right now as my voice is going forth. Lord Jesus, I need you. I've heard this, and I realize I have not made you my Lord. I have not made you my Savior. Come into my heart today. I repent of my sins, and I believe that you died for me. And you took my sins away on Calvary. You died and you rose again. And you live today. And I invite you into my heart. You said that and believe that you're saved in Jesus' name. And we invite you to connect with us or a local church so that you can grow in the Lord. Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. God bless you, little border. God bless you, young people. Keep on, keep on. On behalf of our pastors, Theodore and Linda Faison, we would like to thank you for joining the Living Water Christian Center Church for our Sunday morning virtual service. Although the physical doors of our church may be closed, our ministry is committed to spreading the gospel message and staying connected with you as we shelter to support our ministry with your tithes and offering. You can use PayPal at livingwaterccc, Cash App at Living H2O Church, or Zelle at 973-902-9936. If you need any assistance or would like to send any prayer requests, you can contact us at 973-902-9933 or livingwater374 at gmail.com. We are also available via direct message at any of our social media platforms. Follow us at Living Water H2O Church on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to stay updated on our virtual worship services, Sunday school classes, prayer meetings, and Bible studies. Once again, thank you for tuning in. Be blessed and stay safe.